Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, Chat About It. Today, I have someone who is very special to me, but someone who I think is very special in general. I have Jillian Frank Quelly here. She is a philanthropist, angel. Um, she's an advocate, she's a cannabis smoker, and she's just like, um, someone that I've always been really inspired by, and she's someone that has really held my hand these past couple of years, um, of my life as a young adult, and Jill is someone that I think is not only very intelligent, but very interesting. So I have Jill here today, and I'm so excited. Okay, Jill, let's talk about you. Tell us a bit about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing I'm blushing from that introduction. Thank you, Ariana. Oh, so um, something about myself. Well, a few things uh, just to put out there. So I do run a homeless organization called Love and Lunches. And I'm an editor-in-chief of a real estate magazine. and um, Which is? Which is Baltimore Real Producers. And um, I also have done a lot of work in the cannabis industry, which is where you met. You were in my very first... One of my very first articles we ever wrote was about you. <gasps> that is true. Right? We did the photo shoot in my house. Oh my God. That what was, was our so apartment? Wonderful. I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. Everyone smoking weed that the management was going to come. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Oh my gosh. That was so long ago. It was way mm-hmm. back in 2018. Right? I think you're one of the first people that I met in this industry. Yeah. I would agree. I think I was, you were one of the first. Definitely. Ones yeah, one of the first. Yeah. So we've really seen everything kind of grow and mm-hmm. flourish and fall apart <laughs> in this industry in Maryland, pretty much. I shouldn't say fall apart, but, you know, they're pretty fucked. Uh, I guess we can talk a bit about that. Let's talk about um, are you still pretty much involved with the cannabis industry? And if not, what your time was like there? Yeah. So I would think I'm, I don't have anything I really do in the cannabis industry. Like I like to go to events. I'm right. more on like the consumer side now. Perfect. Sometimes I get invited as like, you know, a, like special OG from a long time ago. Right. But as but I still do advocacy work around cannabis because some of the population we work with has had prior convictions with cannabis and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, as far as my time in the cannabis industry, I really think it like changed the course of my life as all big things should do. Yes. And so to kind of like set the stage for that, you know, I was I grew up extremely poor with a mother who was a drug addict, mm-hmm. um, very low self-esteem. I grew up extremely heavy, just, you know, if you can think of like a very chubby kid with no clothes, like made fun of a lot. And so one of the things that happened during the cannabis industry was like the biggest boost to my self-esteem I think I ever received. I was getting healthy at that time mm-hmm. and we were on social media and, uh, we became big enough to where sometimes we'd be walking around and someone would say, oh my God, is that Jill? And mm-hmm. I just remember thinking like, if I were to go back to little Jill and tell her at 14, like, when you are 40 years old, you are going to have everything you wish you had now. I think it would have just been uh, miraculous to know that then. But Mm -hmm. it really did. I think for me, my time in the cannabis industry solidified some of the closest friends I have now, including yourself. 100%. Um, Got some chops dealing with different kinds of businesses. Um, 
got to throw big parties where we smoked so much weed. Oh, dude, those parties were crazy. I miss those parties they were so good much. parties. They if were they good didn't parties. cost so much to throw, I literally would just throw a party myself mm-hmm. and just be like, we're going to throw a party. Because I never want to charge tickets for stuff like that, you know, just so everyone can have a good time. But yeah, I do miss those parties quite a bit. But I think like the relationships and my self esteem. And my sense of who I am mm-hmm. after that experience in cannabis is yeah. like the best blessing that like came out of that. Mm-hmm. And I I wouldn't even call them parties. They were like gatherings. Like people yeah. like came together and like smoked weed. And honestly, most of the people that I met and I'm like, where did I meet this person? Like I have no clue. It was at one of those gatherings. So like, yeah, that was really, I feel like where like the foundation of everything in Maryland cannabis, at least, you know, on a consumer level, like began. We were doing yoga and oh, mm-hmm. we were doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Ketamines, Dude, that shit was crazy. The writing, like the puffin paints, which I know those are still kind of going on with some other individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was dash. cool to bring in consuming cannabis around things that we do all the time. Mm-hmm. And to, I was just never forget our our launch party when we had 250 people there and i watched people walk in with briefcases that they had their dab rigs in and Mm -hmm. i had this moment where i was like how much cannabis is right here in this hundred feet (laughs) like it was such a a shitload (laughs) dude yeah i mean i guess they still have kind of events like that now but i feel like only now recently have they like gotten to the level that those parties were like like four years ago yeah we were kind of lucky with timing that Uh like yeah so it's also you know it was very easy to start a business when it was the beginning literally everyone it was the very beginning money and every all the businesses were still very much like in kind of like that cannabis culture which isn't so much in the business culture now and so it was very easy for us to throw big events like that because mm-hmm. it was new right yep now you can smoke weed wherever you want really like anywhere so <laughs> literally <laughs> except for like inside a venue that is true mm-hmm. that but is like true. they don't really give a shit if it's outside right absolutely uh, what do you think the cannabis industry has taught you the most um professionally like what do you think you took away from it I have a greater sense of like standing up for what's right or wrong. Uh-huh. That's exactly what the fuck I was going to say. That and like the yeah. power of like communicating with difficult people. Like yeah. I am a master of professional yeah. communication after yeah. being in this industry Correct. and like being like, let's be professional and let's figure out the right words to say this yes. to a level that someone can understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. just a better sense of that. And I think that is like, constantly driven me even in like personal relationships like Mm -hmm. I want to be someone who uh, constantly is championing what's right even though it's not easy to do Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing and I got a lot of practice in that standing up for what was right oh my gosh I love that answer anyways we'll come back to like weed stuff later well let's talk a little bit more about weed yeah yeah um let's talk about what type of weed you like um let's talk about yeah, what strain do you like? What do you like? What so, helps you? I love sativas. I you do. Love, love them in a way that is beautiful and complicated. Um, so I would say like Jet Fuel G6 is probably like my favorite. You know, a that. sour diesel, mm-hmm. like anything like a high, high sativa. I, I love that. Um, but if we're being honest, if there is a blunt... 
I'm going to smoke it. Dude, yeah. So that is. <laughs> Jill smokes like so many blunts. Like I've seen. And it's funny because like you would look at Jill and you would be like, okay, she probably does smoke weed. But like you would never guess like how Jill can smoke <laughs> weed. Like it's crazy. It's very shocking. Yeah. And I know. never ever say anything like that. But like definitely Jill's like. I try not to brag. Like I think some people who are like people who like black coffee like to brag that they like black coffee. I they think do. People right, right. who smoke a lot of weed like to brag about it. So I just like to show people oh, oh, <laughs> when trust we're all me. together. <laughs> and we, we've all seen it, definitely. Um, what's like your favorite drug? Is it weed? So I would say it was weed up until Memorial Day last year when I tried LSD for the first oh, time. Oh, what happened? Take me through that. So uh, we were camping with some friends. Of course. And um, I think when you're doing any kind of psychedelic, being in nature is the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a good breakfast, took, I don't even know, what do you call it? A paper, a tab, took something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a tab. My, Whatever you want to call it, right. A Whatever. serving. I'm not on the LSD lingo. <laughs> a serving. Um, and then we went on a hike and it was the most beautiful hike. And Colleen mm-hmm. and I really connected as we were walking. It just, and you know, mushrooms, I feel like you can get the same experience, but mushrooms have some nausea. There's a little more... This was a cleanup, and the down wasn't, like, specifically mm-hmm. horrific. And so, you know, the next day we were all a little, like, dopamine depleted so and yeah. serotonin depleted. So we were all a little, like, grouchy. But other than that, but I would just say, like, as a – I will always remember that hike. Like, I'll always remember the feelings I had, and it kind of calmed down time. I'm very, like, fast-paced, so – to have that moment where I was breathing slow for a second and enjoying like this little leaf that was on the ground was I think just a transformative experience um, to have. So yeah, I, I would that. say that is my favorite. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Um, acid kind of scares me. Have you done it? Oh yeah. I've done it oh. before. Um, the first time I talked about it on the podcast already, so yeah. I won't reiterate it. Um, so that was kind of bad. I had a bad trip outside of that. It wasn't yeah. like a bad trip. It was, no, it was. <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, I had to look within and I was going through a lot of shit and it was not, <laughs> yeah, appro- scary. it was not appropriate for me to look within. Uh-huh. Um, but then I did it again and it was honestly probably one of my f- most enjoyable experiences with psychedelics um and i remember i like pretty much uh long story short um did like this painting on this detached door and like me and my friends were just on acid like painting this big huge door with our fingers for like hours and like smoking weed Mm. and like i have a picture of it still and like it's it's very oh i'll show it to you afterwards but yeah um it definitely was very beautiful it was during a snowstorm like it was really really nice was your first trip the bad one yes i think there's a key to that i think you should do acid with someone who's already done it Oh yeah, oh, that's what I did the first time. All of my oh, friends. Really? Oh yeah, my friends. And they just yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, scratch that. For yeah. everyone else. Do I mean, oh, I'm gonna be honest. Like, experienced in when it. I had the bad trip, they did definitely try and calm me down. Okay, they 100 percent did. Like they yeah. really were. They were like, it's all cool. It's all good. But then like, uh, basically, there was like this big like toilet overflow incident that oh. pretty much just like prompted the whole room to face something. So it was the whole thing. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll go, go back to, and listen to that. Yeah, episode. go back to my podcast about drugs. If you guys don't know what i'm talking about it's a pretty good story it's pretty funny it was funny then if i'm being being honest it was funny (laughs) then but it's even funnier now um but yeah so 
Okay, I thought you would maybe pick mushrooms, but acid does make sense. Yeah, I mean, I have only done it once, and I think it's something you, like, for me, wouldn't play with, like, regularly. Mushrooms, I do much more frequently. No, 100%. Lots of microdosing. How often do you microdose? Uh, Probably, like, a few days out of the month. I will tell you, when I make my little capsules, the first time I ever made them, I was unaware that you could get blasted breathing over powdered mushrooms that I had ground in my coffee grinder and touching it with your bare skin. And I was making all these capsules 45 minutes into it. I'm like, I couldn't, the capsules wouldn't fit together anymore. I was seeing shit and I was like, oh my God. And then I Googled it. It's like, no, you need to wear face mask and gloves as you, cause it's like water soluble. So it can go in through your nose. <laughs> This is funny like, I was shit. so blasted from trying to make some And I couldn't be. Like, that was the thing. It was not a time to do that. Joe. So anyway, That's don't hilarious. do that. <laughs> or maybe do. You never know. Mm. Um, let's talk about... Mm, I've got, like, a lot of interesting topics. Oh, my goodness. I'm just looking at it. Let's talk about love and lunches and philanthropy. And yeah. then we're going to get into growing up Mormon. Okay, awesome. So... My organization, Love and Lunches, uh, was founded way back in the 90s. It was actually called uh, Simple Sacrifice back then. And, I remember that. Yeah, so it started in 1991, and how it got started was my dad and mom came to me, my little brother, and asked us to do something good. And it was my little brother's idea to go feed hungry people in Baltimore City. So looking back, what I didn't realize was the lesson of a lifetime my parents were trying to teach me by us doing this. And so Mm -hmm. we grew up very much like the people we served. We were on welfare. As I mentioned, my mom had an active addiction, which she passed away from in 2004. Mm -hmm. And so they were teaching us that despite having nothing, we can still help people. Mm -hmm. And um, the first, yeah. So we, you know, did what we could do. We packed some lunches that week we went up into Baltimore City, and it took us two hours to give out five lunches. We didn't know who we were looking for. We were afraid to fend people. Mm-hmm. And there was a turning point where we walked up to these five gentlemen, and they were splitting one piece of gum. And at 12, I could feel in my body what it meant to have nothing watching that happen. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. And I was definitely changed forever. And so love and lunches at the height of it in the 90s, we were giving away 1500 lunches in about 10 minutes. And um, in 1995, we did have to close it down because my mom's addiction was getting worse. And Mm -hmm. she was getting sick. And so we just kind of stopped it, which was very sad for us. But it's kind of always in my heart that I wanted to relaunch it. And in 2015, on Mother's Day, it was the perfect timing. It was right after the Baltimore uprising. Mm-hmm. There was so much pain in the city. There was so much hurt. And so I'm like, what? Fuck it. We're going to do it. Do it now. And so Colleen, her mom, and a friend of mine all came. We made 20 lunches and drove back to our old places and gave them out. And every Sunday since then, we have delivered lunches to Shot Tower Park. And then it's just expanded over the years where we deliver groceries throughout the week for 40 families. Mm-hmm. We also put, can provide rental assistance, sometimes depending on our funds. Ooh. Um, and our whole mission is really twofold. The first is to change the stigma of what it means to live in poverty and to be poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this is an epidemic in our country and it is only getting worse and more and more people every sunday we see more people and that's not how it's ever been in the last six years holy shit i so, believe it and really in the last six months Two Sundays ago was the first Sunday I ever ran out of lunches since the beginning. Oh, my because God. Because we had so many people there. And so more and more people are facing these things. Like, you know, there's less programs that can supply food to so many people. And um, so just to change the stigma of that. And the second is to give love. And so we work with a population of people who are extremely judged, who are treated like they're less than, who get spit on, who, you know, are told they're lazy, and that's not ever the story. And so when we go down on Sunday, I think what is very different than our organization, because we have been very consistent, and so we see the same faces all the time, is we spend time with them like they are our friends. And Mm -hmm. so they have our cell phone, not a love and lunches cell phone, they have our personal cell phone. They text us when they have good news, like last week we got news that Sam got a job. And so Sam just got out of prison two months ago. He now has a job. We were able to get some pants for him to help him along his path. And so to give people a connection and love is huge for us. And we, in turn, get that same connection and love from our friends. And so, yeah, it's my most favorite thing that I ever have done, will do, and will continue to do. I feel like it is my absolute calling to feed people i don't know if that's the italian to me i don't know no i think but. it really is your calling <laughs> like it really is i 100 percent agree yeah mm-hmm. so it is uh it is everything okay so wait so let's say i want to volunteer which i do and the yeah. listeners want to volunteer and yeah, in the absolutely. baltimore area i know we have a lot of local listeners so what can we do or what's up yeah so <laughs> there's a few things you can do so if it was just one individual and they just wanted to come help on a one-off Sunday, you can message us on any of our like social media platforms, which is just Love and Lunches, or you can email us at loveandlunches at gmail.com. Um, and so that would entail you coming with us on Sunday and making the lunches and delivering them. If you have, what really helps us is individuals who work with groups who are looking to do community service because they in turn purchase or pay for the groceries for that Sunday and bring the volunteers. And what that allows us to to do is keep funds to go and buy more groceries and assist more people on that end. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if anything, we can, we're very flexible, we're small, no one gets paid to do anything. So if you have an idea, uh, email us or DM us and we'll like love to entertain it. But we're doing stuff several times a week. Okay, Yeah. yeah, definitely hit up Jill she's a great person with a great mission and uh, yeah you guys have been doing it for a while yeah yeah i think it shocks people sometimes how long we do it we post about it but not like continuously Mm -hmm. and so when people hear like we're coming up on our eighth anniversary they're like wait what yeah seriously we've been doing it for a long time Mm -hmm. you guys have been killing it uh, so yeah, the, uh, do you, are you doing any other sort of volunteer stuff or philanthropy, or is that take up? Yeah, most of I mean your that time? pretty much takes up every spare moment. <laughs> no, that's totally. That I have, but I do work like there's a net network of organizations like mine that we do help one another out. And so if I need something, and you know we kind of do an exchange of things, like I have this, can you give me this? And so 
Um, and if they need help on projects, I'll do that. But nothing like real consistent. Okay. Well, that's beautiful. I love that. Thanks. Thanks for letting me talk about it. Of course. Like, I think that shit is so fucking cool. Um, you mentioned growing up. Uh, let's talk a little bit about growing up and the M word, growing up Mormon. (laughs) Let's talk about it. What was that like? Well, let's let it rip. Let's let it rip. So I think if you were to talk to a lot of like ex-Mormons, they would probably tell very similar stories as what mine is. So my parents were converts to the church and we just never kind of really fit in. And um, Mormons can tend to be very judgy about things. And I Mm -hmm. didn't realize my mom had a drug addiction then, which probably explained a lot of the judginess surrounding like my family. But it is um, for my opinion, and I think a lot of people would say this, like it's a cult and they use very extreme like Mm -hmm. psychological tools Mm -hmm. to manipulate and to beat you the fuck down. Yeah. Um, I was very thankful that despite my mom having so many problems, the one thing she did was teach me to be able to recognize bullshit when I see bullshit and to make us very strong so that despite kind of some indoctrination, we were a little bit, me and my brother were a little like pulled away from it. but it, you know, I'm uh, looking actually right now for a very specific therapist who's dealt with religious trauma and like leaving a cult because mm-hmm. with all of those things comes a lot of things afterwards. But, you know, they teach, you know, I was taught to be very like meek and mild and, um, you know, lame. all the girls <laughs> could sing or they played instruments and everyone was always, you know, it's like this utopian you may be too young to remember this, but if you remember when the Utah Olymp- the Olympics were in Utah, all no the uh, people kept saying was, like, all the announcers was, like, this is the most talented group of people they were able to pull from, from the opening ceremonies because of the amount of, like, musical, like, all of these things. So, like, you breed these perfect little kids... And, you know, they go on these missions and, you know, then try to manipulate others into believing into the church. And, you know, you're taught, you know, this was beaten to our family. If we paid more tithing, we wouldn't be poor. Mm -hmm. Um, That is not how that's ever going to work. And, you know, yeah, for sure. Withhold certain religious uh, things that you can do because you don't pay your tithing. And... Um, you know, if you ever commit some sin, you, and I don't actually think they do this anymore because I think they got into like a lot of trouble, but like, let's just say, well, my friend had to do it. Hypothetically. She got, you know, she's probably 16 and got fingered and then had to go between, uh, like in front of like a church council, like a, a court, like you know, and there's a lot of symbolism in the Mormon religion with Jesus and the 12 apostles. So there's like 12 men sitting there and you have to get in detail. What? Now, again, I am not up on my Mormon religion. I left over a decade ago, but I've heard they don't do the church councils anymore because you were putting young girls in front of all these men sharing like sexual experiences. And they're working off to it later oh, on. Oh, for sure. Oh my God. Um, you know, and then you go into the temple and you do like all these like crazy ceremonies and this is what really <laughs> I really do love TikTok. not the laughter <laughs> <laughs> one day I was scrolling on TikTok and this is how I know right so you can start to look this stuff up but like 
Joseph Smith, who founded the Mormon religion, is nothing more than someone who stole hoodoo or voodoo from mm-hmm. people and made a whole entire religion. Because one day I was scrolling through TikTok and I follow like all kinds of things because I just want to know. And all of a sudden I see this hoodoo ceremony of like laying on of hands and they're explaining it. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, why does this look so fucking familiar to me? Mm-hmm. And then it started to dawn on me. And then I started to look in and I was like, oh my God, we were literally just practicing. I mean, not really, because it's not our fucking thing to practice, but mm-hmm. trying to practice some stolen religion and all this, it was mind blowing. I mean, this just happened. I saw this video probably like a year ago and it just took me down this like spiral of like, oh my God, so much of what I was taught is stolen. So much of it is, you know, mental abuse uh, in order to control me because that's what they want. Yeah. Um, it, w- it was, uh, I mean, extremely wild to look back at life and kind of not know what was going on. And when did you leave that life behind you? Um, I started to kind of like leave the church when I was 29. I wasn't as active in my 20s, but I still kind of okay. went. Um and then on, so I had, it was October, I had just turned 30, and okay. I was out to uh, dinner. We went to a happy hour with a friend, and I had been toying with taking a drink. You know, Mormons don't drink. Mormons don't smoke weed. They don't get tattoos. Like, do they drink coffee? No, they do not drink coffee. I told no you. No coffee. I told you. Yeah. Why not? I mean, they can guzzle the fuck out of Coke. Uh, the way I was told was it, it's an addictive substance. And so in the Word of Wisdom, which is a document that dates back to when Joseph Smith started, uh-huh. coffee, tea, tobacco, tobacco, drugs, those were all listed. It's never been updated, which is hysterical given they believe in modern day prophecy, but they still go by this like, <laughs> ancient Word of Wisdom. So that's why Coke was never mentioned in the Word of Wisdom. And so they find like a loophole. So yeah, the first time I had coffee, I was like, this is the most amazing fucking stuff I've ever put in my mouth. Oh my fucking God. How um, old were you when you first tried coffee? Oh, probably like 30. So it happened Holy that, that dinner, we were at Expectations in Columbia. I remember this moment oh my 14 God. years ago. Um, my friend ordered a drink and normally I just got club soda and I went, knowing nothing about alcohol. I'd just been paying attention to what people ordered so mm-hmm. that I would not sound like a dumb dumb. And I was like, can I have some Sauvignon Blanche? <laughs> oh my God, that's so fucking funny. You tried so your that best. was my first drink was wine, which I hated every second oh, of that oh set. God. More, yeah, I realized I later wine. on. Realized, but yeah, that was kind of the <laughs> beginning of it. And you know, I was a virgin up until I was 30. And once I had that drink and then, oh yeah. You didn't know that? Sorry, guys. For, I mean, I don't mind telling people that. An actual virgin? For sure. Yes, an actual virgin. Yes. Maybe things are easier that way. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> here's what I'm going to say about that. I, uh, even though I'm 44, I do feel like I'm much younger because I didn't start to experience life until I was 30. So I do think some of the headaches that come with doing all that stuff, I didn't experience. However... Mm-hmm. I also don't think you get to live your life if you don't do those. And I think those, the juice is not worth the squeeze on that. I have other trauma to work through mm-hmm. because I was part of a church that <laughs> <True>. <laughs> kept me from doing those things. That's very true. That's but very yeah, true. I mean, can you imagine like 
that is, I mean, I called all my friends right after and they're like, you what? And I'm like, I did. <laughs> I think so it was on a technicality, part. but. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? I mean, that? it just wasn't good. I just. Oh, yeah, no. Like a, I don't think that bad sex really counts. No. If you ask well, me. Then it was a long time until I became a lesbian before. Sex is subjective, right? <laughs> Christ. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. No, for real. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's talk about something else that seems pretty relevant in your journey. It's also relevant in my journey. Um, your weight transformation, quote unquote transformation, whatever you'd like to call it, your weight loss journey. Yeah. Um, which I love to talk about because I think it's an ongoing thing with health with me. Um, Mm -hmm. so I lost 125 pounds. um, What? Starting in 2018. I thought it was like... 75, 125 pounds. I was 300 pounds. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, I have a lot of underlying health conditions that are now getting worked out, Mm -hmm. which explains a lot of the reason why I was so heavy. But I actually probably would have never lost weight until I found out I was diabetic. And um, there was this moment. I have a lot of moments in my life. Like, I can recall these pivotal moments. And so I got a call saying I had diabetes. And so I really didn't know what that meant for sure. And so I went online and I found a few Facebook groups of people, you know, who had diabetes. And I just stumbled upon this post. So mine was type 2, mm-hmm. can be totally controlled. Well, not always, but, like, you can get pretty healthy if you just watch your diet, right? And you move and you exercise, what everyone should be doing. Um, and I read this post from this woman, and she said, please pray for me as I go into surgery tomorrow. Um, I'm having both of my legs amputated. Hey, yeah. I wish I would have listened to the doctors when they told me to stop drinking two, two liters of Dr. Pepper a day. So she was drinking dose two liters a day. Um, and I, I just even, remember. I don't even drink that much water. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember thinking like feeling such shame for her. Like, why would you ever share that? Like you did this. And then it hit me like, bitch, that is you. You're eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's a day. You are doing these things. And like, although I was working out, I was not eating healthy at all. And I just had this moment where I was like, I'm not losing my fucking legs. Like, I'm not going to lose a limb because of fucking Ben and Jerry. I mean, I love them. And Cherry Garcia is like delicious. I love half-baked. Oh, that's good too. Mm -hmm. But December 2017, that's the last ice cream I ever had. Because I feel like that's my gateway. Whoa. It's my gateway drug. Can't relate. I know. (laughs) But I feel like if I did it, I would do that. So over the course of like three years, I lost all that weight by literally just eating well and um, exercising. I've had personal trainers. I've been able to do it on my own. But interesting enough, which I think is, you know, lessons of learning about your body I got super healthy and then one day I started to get sick oh no and um, chat about it yeah so I like ultimately we're still figuring a few things out but like my thyroid was completely shot Mm -hmm. and um, I started to like gain weight back because your thyroid is the gas to the engine Mm -hmm. and I um, you know experienced you know some muscular skeletal things going on and then you know got like a light diagnosis of ms that i've kind of never believed since the beginning that they've told me that and so it just kind of like taught me like i thought you know i got thin every 
and by thin, I mean, I was like 175 at my thinnest, mm-hmm. but I still like, for me, that's, I like that size. I'm not like a super skinny individual mm-hmm. um, and got super healthy and was working out seven days a week and swimming. And then all of a sudden, boom, it just knocked all of that out. And so that's taught me as I'm getting back into things and as we're getting my hormones fixed and mm-hmm. figuring out some things with my heart, like, uh, so much self-love because here's the thing I didn't do. And so I think if anyone's ever been heavy, they don't tell you these things. They don't teach you the mind fuck it is to go from being heavy to being thin. And so although I did it for health, it had such great like physical uh, rewards and such attention that you begin to realize, oh my God, people only are treating me this way because I'm thin. And life became infinitely easier for me. And even at my size today at 220, because I've gained 40 of those pounds back, Mm -hmm. um, even today, (coughs) I still am treated so much better. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I can wear, there's clothing in normal stores that look, that I can fit into. Mm -hmm. And it was so, it it was a really big (coughs) mindfuck. I began to question every relationship that was in my life. I began Mm -hmm. to question everything. And then I got really mad about it dude yeah like exactly how i felt yeah Yeah. and then i like and so now i'm at the place where i'm like i just have to be kind to me like Mm -hmm. i can no longer worry about um what others feel and how they perceive me because it is a battle every day to do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of had had to work really hard on self-love because it was almost, it was uh, the feeling good. I was trying to stay thin because I didn't want to be treated bad again. And I yep. can't even tell you the sobbing when I gained the first 20 back. My doctors are like, we're going to get this figured out. Like, you know, I eat vegan. I, I'm very like, when they find out like how well I eat, they're always like shocked by like, yeah. you shouldn't have gained 20 pounds in two months. Uh, duh. Duh. But that's why I'm here. Yeah, the collapse <laughs> I had when I went, if I get fat again, people are not going to talk to me. Like, I just, yeah. I was, I mean, panic attack, hyperventilating. And then I just was like, I got to believe that the people in my life are not like that. And if they are, they will go. I can't go on thinking if I get sick and continue to get sick and get heavy that life is going to be hard for me again. And will it be? Yes, because finding clothes sucks. And send me up to the third floor in a department store one more fucking time Mm -hmm. when the big and tall men are with the regular guys. Yeah. It just, you know, so it's been so like uh, such a self-love because that's not what I found by getting thin. Yeah. And I think people don't tell you that. Mm -hmm. You will find... You know, uh, people like you better. You'll find clothes you love. You'll find you can eat anything you want and people aren't judging you. That's the biggest thing. Like, no one's ever plate checking me ever anymore. Like, it's crazy. Do you just down shit? Mm -hmm. Like, and no one, I mean, I see all these influencers, these like little thin influencers online, and they're like eating Big Mac after Big Mac. And I'm like, that would be a heavy person sitting there. The hate. They would get. Yeah, seriously. Also, that. I think some of those TikToks aren't real, if I'm being honest. Well, you know. But still. You the probably point, have a better eye for that than I do. <laughs> well, your point is still very much relevant and yeah. still true. 
Yeah. So don't even worry about that. Yeah. I like how it sounds like you lost weight for your health and not for vanity. I feel yeah. like it was kind of like backwards for me. I lost weight to make more money and to be more sexy. But now I do it to be sexy for me. Still to be sexy, yeah. duh. But um, I just love the way that my body feels and how my life feels yeah. when... I try and incorporate fitness or any sort of body movement. I'm super yeah. into like yoga and hot yoga and shit yeah. recently. So just loving up on myself. And the younger you are that you learn that, the better you are later. Because this is, uh, women's bodies are constantly under attack. And mm-hmm. so if it's, you know, not now, it will be later. Mm-hmm. And you will feel some kind of way about something. And so if you can get more comfortable with that, the younger you are, like, that's... That's the battle right there. Because you don't need those things to be happy. Like I was telling my husband, I was like, sometimes I wonder, like, what if they think I'm ugly? Like, what if people think I'm ugly? But then I was like, okay, what if people think I'm ugly? Like, okay, now what? Like, who gives a shit? Like, it doesn't really matter because my life is still pretty sick. So, Um, yeah, I love that conversation that we just had. Yeah. It was very, like, affirming. Very healing. Um, I do have another question. Yeah. Do you want to smoke some more weed? Yes. What What should we smoke? Do you want to smoke a joint? Do you want to smoke a blunt? Well, I'm thinking I'm going to finish up on this okay. one of... Okay, okay. It is not a sativa. It's Skywalker OG, <gasps> which I, is... May I try some? Yes. Lovely. And that is a hemp wrap right there. My hemp blunts, which you've received mm-hmm. pictures of me as I get six boxes at Dude, a time. Dude, yeah. You only smoke hemp blunts, right? <laughs> yes. I got rid of... I was made fun of so much in the industry because I would come up with white owl, white peach, and yeah, have it, my little. <laughs> yeah, I was one of those fucking people. I, every time I see it, I'm like, hey, like sometimes Jill would try and hand me a blunt, and I just like would not smoke it because I'm like, I cannot, like, <laughs> I cannot do it. Like, there's no fucking way. So yeah, it was me. <laughs> you can say who people were. It was me. <laughs> I'll never forget. Did you catch yourself on fire? No, we're good. Oh. We're good. Sorry, um, guys. I dropped the blunt. <laughs> when at one of our events, I ran out of blunts. And so someone handed me a backwoods. And I had never, like, rolled a backwards before. So I, like, cracked the blunt open like I would a white owl. And then, you know, and everyone's watching me. Like, you know, some OGs of the cannabis world were all sitting there watching me. Oh, yeah. Me. And, You're on um, trial. Yes. And I, like, roll it together. And when I pick it up, it separates into two pieces and everyone starts laughing. No. They were like, ah. And then it, that was. <laughs> so they rolled it for me because I didn't do it right. And that first hit I took off of that, I never smoked backwoods again. <laughs> that sent me to the moon and back. Like, yeah. I was so dizzy. I'd never experienced that before. I hate backwoods, I am not a fan of them. Yeah. Like, it's all that sometimes, like, my family, like, my cousins and shit smoke. And I'm like, please, like, no. Like, what about a joint? Um, But, yeah. When's the last time you smoked a tobacco blunt in general? Probably a year and a half ago. No. Yeah. I found these, and they smoke just as well as... What are these? You do these smoke These are natty, natty hemp blood, blunts, butts. Um... They're so and, good, guys. Like, and I, I love order them from an online place where it's way less expensive than getting them at, like, a smoke shop. And these are the mango-flavored ones. But they, like, last... I think that's the thing I loved about blunts. Like, I would love to smoke joints and bowls. Like, it all kind of gets you to the same place. 
but I love the ceremony mm-hmm. and the length of time of a blunt, right? You're talking a good, like, 22 minutes of, like... Oh, yeah? Yeah. How long does your smoke? I mean, you, you're a deep breather there, boo. I, I am. I mean, because that, that comes back with the whole lash on it. I'm like... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you like to sip it. I like to rip it. I'm like, I smoke weed like it's a fucking cigarette. I roll it like a cigarette. I smoke it like one. Yeah. But, you know, so yeah, probably like, maybe like 20 minutes. Oh, we're talking eight tops for me. That is impressive. Right? Well, I know this about you. Not like right to you. I'm talking to my partner because I'm like, right? It takes me like eight minutes to confirm. I've watched your um, glass when you used to do all the like, what did you call this? Like Bong ribs? Yeah, over yes. or like story clouds. Story clouds. Yeah, like, it yeah. Would just complete. Man, that is a long time ago. Story clouds. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm passing these story clouds to. Yeah. To oh this yeah. Person. I'm definitely gonna bring that back when I can rip bong in my house freely because That's right. I can still smoke weed like that. Make no mistake. I just oh, don't I record can. it. Oh yeah, we're doing it right now actively. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when um, what's next for you? So you're starting this podcast. Well, you haven't started. You've had a whole season, right? Oh, yeah. This yeah. is what I was, like, meant to do 100%. Yeah. You like it? Yeah. What's your favorite part about this? Um, exposing people to my crazy thoughts, but exposing people to my world and the network of people that I know, because I know so many different people from so many walks of life, and they're also chill. I love interviewing people, um, and I just love talking. I just feel yeah. like... You can do this anywhere at any time. And I just like the first interview that I had with Wyatt, I was like, this is it. Like, I just knew that this is what I was supposed yeah, I listened to do. To that this weekend, yeah. Weekend. Like, that was my first interview ever. Like, that was I, the only the second run of us doing it because the first one, the audio didn't sound good. So we stopped only 10 minutes in. But mm-hmm. after that, like, that was me just going. And that yeah. 10 minutes that we were doing in the first take, I also knew. I was like, damn, like, we're just doing this. Yeah, it is so, a good time. Uh, so yeah, um, this podcast is pretty much what's next for me. Good. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the answer. This is going to be like what I do. Um, do you I ever s- do a video part of it, you think? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I'm going to definitely uh, eventually look for sponsors, but everyone kind of pisses me off with their stupid ass, fake ass answers. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm probably going to get a sponsor and just go to a studio and have like an yeah. audio and a visual together and nice. just post it in that way. Um, they're not really that expensive though so no. yeah so i mean when i was doing it, it was 600 an episode which isn't like yeah huge and that was a few years ago mm-hmm. so technology is better now yeah and everyone has like an open studio for use right um i'm back to doing youtube um pretty much for the podcast and also just like it's more exposure it is fun i do have followers there and they do miss me and um i have an editor mainly who's that um his name is henry so we're pretty much just going to be fancy yeah and he is a pretty solid price a price that i can afford so it's gonna be pretty awesome um i'm pretty excited um so back to youtube doing the podcast i'm still doing the tiktok thing i had to get some more um a new vitamix so i had to take a little break but yeah so doing tiktok i do love those videos mm -hmm, i love them too they're so much fun to watch and they're so much fun to do you eat all the smoothie afterwards no most of the time i try to but a lot of the time depending on what i put inside of it i don't like some of the certain fruits that i put inside so i don't eat them what's your least favorite fruit (coughs) Mm, i hate um i don't really like pineapple 
in this movie. That's definitely. I get that in a smoothie. Yeah, I'm bending that it's for sure. Very overbearing. Um, cherries. If I put in too many cherries, yuck. Yeah. It tastes like thick and like chocolatey. And mm. if it's cherries and bananas, ugh. I think people use that for like um, chocolate ice cream dupes, but it just tastes like, yuck. I hate it. But um, yeah, so pretty much doing the podcast and traveling for the podcast. I'm going to be going to Colorado. I'm going to be going to LA. Um, I'm going to be just like doing that. Also, I need a sponsor. Um, I mean, I can really do it myself, but a sponsor would definitely make things a lot easier. Um, And yeah, um, that's pretty much what I have planned. That's very exciting. I'm very proud of you. I'm very excited. Oh my God, thanks. That means so much to me. Um, I think we actually are making great time and i think i might stop things here we're at about 44 minutes so i know right Woo! they always fly by that's also how i know i meant to do it it's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. it's so much fun Mm -hmm. um okay so let's let everyone know where they can find you and contact you one more time and what's also in the future for you yes so we are hopefully launching a second magazine over at the beaches in real estate and i always have goals to buy a city block and make housing and a big uh like restaurant not a restaurant they would pay but some space where people can just eat free when they need it and so those are the two big things that i'm working on and so um you can contact love and lunches at mm-hmm. our handles on facebook and instagram it's love and lunches and then love and lunches at gmail.com okay that sounds good to me. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for being on here. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, guys. That's pretty much the end of it. I'll see you on a next, a next, the next episode. And binge the other episodes. And I will see you guys next time. Bye. Love, love you bunches. Bye.